The name of our series is Generosity, willing, a Willingness to Give. Now, the, the definition of generosity is defined as a willingness to give. So I was very creative with the series title this go-around, right? Um, it's generosity, which is a willingness to give. And we're, we're going to talk about the heart of generosity today. And, and this week, we're going to talk about a willing church. And next week, we're going to talk about a willing people. But whenever we talk about willingly giving, we are talking about willingly giving of our time, our, our money, but even more than money, our, our influence, our resources. We're talking about giving of our lives, that's what generosity is talking about, having a willingness to do, is to give of who you are, your accomplishments, whatever it is, that you give of that to, to other people or whatever is needed. And the difference between giving and taking is whether or not the person who's having to give is willing to give. Because if not, it's just called taking. It's called stealing. Have you ever had to give something to someone else, and you were unwilling to do it, but you still did it. Still, still did it. <laughs> Took the thought out of my mind. Every paycheck you get, you're like, "Who's FICA? Who, who is this person? What is? What is? <laughs> who is getting a hold of my paycheck?" But I love it whenever young people they don't know about taxes that you know that well, and they're like, "Okay, so I make like I don't know eight dollars an hour, and I work you know an hour." <laughs> Full-time job, what? Uh, they, they, you know, they, whatever, they get $150 and they get their check and then they look and they're like, I'm gonna have 150 bucks. I'm gonna go get this, this, and this. And then all of a sudden they're like, why do I only have like 99? What's going on here? Who is this person that's taking my money? That's called Uncle Sam. And, uh, but, but whenever you are unwilling to give something, it cha- it's, it's a different attitude, it's a different, like even if it was a gift, we, we use this illustration a lot, but you know, if you're married or whatever, or maybe you're dating and you get something for that special someone, flowers or whatever it is, and how you give it to them determines whether or not they're gonna really enjoy receiving it or not, right? Which is it flowers, oh, here you go. <laughs> what, you know? They throw those flowers right back at you because why? You didn't, it it didn't feel like you wanted to give me those flowers. I want you to want to. The most confusing thing (laughs) in the history, especially for men. It's like, I did it for you. Yeah, but you didn't smile. (laughs) Anyway, this is not a relationship series. Let's keep moving. Um, It's the willingness to do it. That's what matters. And, uh, but as believers, we have an important perspective about the way that we live our lives and the way that we handle the things that we have. We have an important perspective, and it's this. It's that everything that we have is from God. Now, whether that sounds cliche to you or not, it's actually a really important perspective to have, that everything that you have is from God. And again, for believers, we, tr- we truly believe that. We believe that God is creator of all things, He's creator of heaven and earth and everything that we have, ultimately he is the giver of that. He is the source of that. Now, we, we also call it stewardship, that we steward what God has given us. And uh, there's a lot of different parables and stories about stewardship in the Bible, but really what stewardship is, it's managing somebody else's belongings. Is somebody giving you like the authority or the responsibility to manage what they own. 
And so whenever we talk about the thing, this, this statement, everything that we have is from God, we're talking about stewarding what God has given us. We are actually not stewarding our own possessions. We are stewarding his. So it's why it's, it's, why it's important that we know his instruction and his command to us on how we should steward our lives. And so there's two different attitudes that we can have in handling what is God's. Two attitudes. Number one is generosity. A willing, doesn't that word just roll off the tongue? It's just wonderful. Such a generous person. Generosity. Generosity. And, uh, and, and it basically is this. Generosity is God gave it, so I willingly give it. Right? He's the source. He gave it to me, so I willingly give it. Where there is greed. Greed is I earned it, so I keep it. <laughs> now, I brought along uh, a $100 bill today. Doesn't it just hit different? When you see, I mean, you see the one zero, and you're like, eh, and then you see the next one, and you're like, which is an illustration in and of itself. What is it about us whenever we see $100? I remember when I was uh, like eight, nine years old, it was the first time I saw a $100 bill. Uh, we had no money growing up. We had no money. My dad had holes in his shoes because uh, we were in private school, and that's where their money went. You know what I'm saying? Um, but... But I remember one day, he, uh, I, had, I had asked him, I said, Dad, do we have $100? <laughs> he said, um, yeah, and he changed the subject. And I remember, I was like, Dad, I don't think that we had 100 bucks. And a couple weeks later, somebody blessed him, gave him $100 so we could, I don't know, you know go vacation or whatever we did with it. And he, and he turned around in the car, he said, Jordan, got $100. It was a big deal. Now you can't take your family to Chili's, y'all. <laughs> I went to Chick-fil-A the other day. It was $35 for me and my, my we got four people. Anyway, all right. $100. Keep moving. Generosity holds this $100 like this. Just open-handed. There, there's value to it, but my life isn't wrapped up in it. Greed does this right here. Greed clinches that $100. Says, I earned it, it's mine, you can't have it, right? And although we don't do that outwardly, we do that inwardly. We do it inwardly. Because I earned it, I worked for it, it's mine. And what I'm talking about is the attitude surrounding this right here. Do you know that, that, that this right here has, not this $100, but the, the, the thought of it, it starts wars, it destroys families, you know what I'm saying? Think about the, the effects of this greed. It's I want it, I'm going to have it, and I will kill you in order to have it. It's deep-seated inside of us, and it's the two attitudes that we have. And, and I thought, just as a further illustration of this, the best way that I could illustrate what greed looks like is what all of us would say, which is funny animal clips. Animal video clips, right? Does anybody else have the weird, like, guilty pleasure of watching, like, voiceovers of animals and stuff like that on, on Instagram? Is it just me? I got a buddy, actually, it was Andrew, playing piano today. We just, all we do, we don't even talk. We just send videos to each other. It's ridiculous. And, uh, but we have a good relationship. And anyway, I was like, man, how can I illustrate Gree what it looks like? And I was like, you know what? This video, this does it. So let's go ahead and let's go ahead and show the people what greed really looks like. Show that video clip. 
This is good. Just chilling. Hey, how's it going? I hate you. <laughs> Oh, I could, I could watch, I could watch him for hours. I could watch him. I think, I think Bob Saget's actually the one that got me into AFV years ago. Like just the stupid little noises that he'd make for the animals. Like that's it. I could watch him forever. But I mean, that's what greed looks like. The, the first one's got, I don't know, was it a peach or something like that sitting there? And it's like, you know, don't even try to touch this thing. The other one's just greedy of its own foot, you know? And the last one, the other dog did nothing just sitting there chilling and the other dog can't stand what is that I just think you know it's kind of like kids they they do the thing that we wouldn't do as adults but we still feel it you know we still feel greed it's what greed looks like I have it and you can't have it because it's mine um now you know when it, I said I'm going to talk about money money isn't the only metric of generosity all right and uh, like I said earlier, when we talk about being willing to give, uh, there, like I said, there, there's time, there's resources, there's a lot of different parts of our lives. The, the thing about money is that it's easily measurable. You know where every dollar goes. Well, uh, you know where every $300 goes. Depends how well you handle your money. <laughs> Some people have no idea where the last $1,000 in my budget went. But, but you, you know what I'm saying? We measure it, we care about it, and that's why whenever we look at the money, we can kind of tell where our, our generosity or where our greed's at. And, and there's a problem of greed in our world. There's a problem of greed in the church. And you like to think that it's just in the world, but no, it's, it's in the church. And I brought you some stats today to kind of illustrate that. In 2022, Americans gave 1.7% of their disposable incomes to charity. And that is the lowest since 1995. Look how, look how generous we are as a people. Have you ever heard somebody say, uh, when I make more, I'll give more? You ever heard that? People say that a lot. I just don't have a lot to give right now, but one day I will give more whenever I make more. And uh, the deal with that is that those making less than $50,000 a year give a higher percentage of their income than those between 50 and 250. And actually, those who make 250 plus give the highest percentage. Now, there are some reasons that we can kind of do the math on there. You know, we got lower and mid and, and, and upper class, and, and you got economic things that are going on, and some people are incentivized to give more than others. Uh, side note, it's actually a beautiful thing that in our country, people are incentivized to even give. Uh, go to a country where they're not, and you will understand why. I, side note, I think, I think that the whole tax system in, in some ways and the whole incentive, it incentivizes and actually leverages people's greed in order to help them be generous, if that makes sense. Anyway. Um, but there's a, that's a problem of greed in, in the world. Uh, what does it look like in the church? Because again, the church is not as greedy as the world, right? If you're a server in this place, if you serve at a restaurant, you know 
Sundays at lunch is like the worst time to work. Why? Here comes all the church people with all their tight fists around their money, you know. I gave them a 3% tip. That's pretty nice. You know what I'm saying? You know? Anyway, all right. The problem of greed in the church looks like this, that first off, religious uh, giving is lower today than during the Great Depression. Only 5% of church congregants give regularly. Only 5%. Don't look around. (laughs) And 37% of the weekly faithful don't give anything at all. And, and then the last one, the average Christian, you would think, hey, the world gives 1.7% of their disposable income. And I'm sure that, that the Christians give more, you know, to the church or whatever. Well, the average Christian donates 2.5% of their income to churches. And you'd say, oh, because they also give outside of that. <laughs> we have a greed problem. And, and y'all Listen. We can, we can cloak it in a lot of different words. We can justify it. We can wrap some, some language around it. But when it comes to money, it represents something in our life and, it, and, it, and how much we give. And, that, and if you're wondering what those numbers are, um, maybe you're not good at math. That means if somebody makes $100,000 in, in the world, um, that they give $1,700 of, of, of their disposable income. So it'd actually be a little bit less than that. But uh, 1.7%. So if you have, you know, $100,000 left over, that, I mean, after taxes and stuff, it means you gave $1,700 to a charity or somebody in need. And um, I think it just illustrates kind of where we're at. And, and I, this is a part of the sermon that I love. I love awkwardness. I love tension. Because at, at first it's funny and everybody's like, ha, 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 ha. And then you get to like the numbers. And all of a sudden it's like, you just want my money. I don't want your money. I don't, I don't care to have your money. Like, you know what I'm saying? And that's what happens whenever we begin to actually get down to where it's at is we, we take it from the, the generous and, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, we, and then we get personal in order to justify our lack of generosity. And, um, and a lot of people don't like to talk about money, and I'm, I'm, this, I'm right there with you. I'm really not excited to teach today about this, but I am going to teach about it because God had a lot to say about money. He did. In the word of God, there's 2,300 verses on money, wealth, and possessions. 2,300. I think the Bible has something to say about it. Verses like 1 Timothy 6, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, you guys have all heard that, and for many of you, you've heard it, money is the root of all evil. And every time that we read this verse, I will forever correct that thought. It's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of it. It's the greed of the money. It is not a sin to be rich. All right? So anybody that's like anti-people having a lot of money, it's not a sin to be rich. That's not where the sin's at. Did you know you could be just as greedy with not a lot of money as you can be with a lot of money? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you, you don't have as much. And so we can justify our greed whenever we don't have a lot. And we can justify that attitude of clenching our fists around what we have. But do y'all remember the story of the, the widow who gave a mite, right? She, she, the widow's mite. She, come, she didn't have a lot. She gave, a, gave out of her lack. But the principle is still in play, right? 
First Timothy 6, that's what it says. It's not, it's, not the, it's not money, but it's the love of money. It's the root of all evil. Ecclesiastes 5, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. Most of you, at, at some point, you've gotten a raise. You made 25000 and then you started making thirty, and you were like, if I could just, I remember, I remember when I was really young, I was like, if I ever could make $50,000 a year, that would be incredible. And then, like, you become an adult, and you're like, that's not as much as you thought it was whenever you were 12. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Maybe some of you, that's what it was. It was like, if I could just get to this mark, and then maybe you got to that mark. But then guess what? The next day, ah, if I just had 20% more than that. And then maybe you got that. Maybe some of you older people can attest to this. Maybe you reached all your, I mean, your dreams, retirement. I'm talking like you reached those, those goals, and here you are today like, man, if I just had a little bit more. We just had this insatiable appetite for more, more money, more whatever, more time. We need more. The Bible says, though, here that you won't be satisfied with that. Did you know about 15% of Jesus' sermons were on money? What that would look like for us is eight times a year, eight Sunday sermons a year, we'd be teaching on nothing but money. At that point, guess what? Some of you would say, they definitely only talk about money out there at that church. <laughs> Jesus talked about it about 15% of the time. 11 out of the 39 parables that he taught were on money. 11 out of 39. He had a lot to say. One of the things that he said is in Matthew 6, he said, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. These are just verses that challenge us. And what it's actually challenging, it's challenging, not how much, not all this, it's actually challenging your heart. It's challenging the greed in us. It's what it really is. And, and it's differing degrees. And I think it also is differing degrees based upon different seasons of life. But at some point, all of us have, have encountered this, this question of, am I willing to give? What does it look like to give? How do we give gener generously instead of greedily? It's a word you don't say that much. How do we generously give, not greedily give? What does it look like? Um, the way that I think is this. I think that we should live principled lives, that we live based upon biblical principles. I think it's very important. So there's four guidelines or four principles that we give by. You like to play on words there? Live by, give by? I thought it was clever, and I was expecting more of like a, ooh, okay, it's cool. Four biblical principles that we give by and these are four principles that believers live by, principles that believers give by. Number one, we give with a willing heart. And this is where it starts. This is the first step. We must give with a willing heart. Generosity flows out of a generous heart, all right? 2 Corinthians 9 says this. The point is this. This is Paul speaking. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He's instructing the church to give 
actually to help out some other churches who were struggling. And he's going to a church and he's saying, hey, I've heard about your generosity. I've been telling other people about how generous you are as a church. And I wanna come to you again and ask you to continue to be generous and help this church out. But as you give, do not do it begrudgingly. Don't do it because you have to. Do it because you get to. And if it's a, if it's a have to, don't give it at all. That's Paul's heart. He says, because God loves a cheerful giver. Now, his intent is that his words would actually produce some conviction and change the person's heart or challenge them to then they, how they would see the need and they would realize that everything they have was from God and they would generously give in order to help this other church. But he's like, I'm not gonna do this under compulsion. I'm not gonna, I don't want you to do it under compulsion because you have to. Number one, we must give from a willing heart. Number two, and this is where we must all take a deep breath, we must give sacrificially. It's another biblical principle that we give sacrificially. Now, in the Bible, there's a couple of words that represent this principle, and it's the words uh, tithe and offering. Tithe, what it means is 10%, 10%, and offerings essentially for us today would just be anything above 10%, but tithes are our scriptural, it's instituted by God in the Old Testament, and he would have the people uh, give, give a tithe of their, of their crops, of their animals. It, it was just, it was part of the law at that time. And so you, you, had, you had the tithe. And in the New Testament, the tithe is not stressed. Jesus mentions the tithe once whenever he's really correcting the Pharisees. Uh, that was what he said. He said, you guys are, are all worried about, you know, these these small things in the law, the easier things like tithing and all this kind of stuff, but, but you're rejecting the more intense things of the law. And he was correcting their hypocrisy, um, but, but it's not really taught in the Old Testament. And the same thing, offerings. Offerings in the Old Testament, there was burnt offerings, grain offerings, peace offerings, there was sin offerings, and there was guilt offerings. And again, it, it was sort of like you had your tithe and then you had your offerings. And that's why nowadays when we talk about giving, if we're talking about money and people talk about money and they talk about tithing, they're talking about giving 10% and anything above that is an offering. Now, there's a lot of, um, there's a, a lot of different ideas or uh, interpretations of tithing in regards to the church nowadays. There's some people who believe that the law and uh, the, the, the command to tithe at least 10% of your income and what you receive before taxes, by the way, it's before taxes, that that's still in play today for the church. And if you don't, that your money and all of your possessions and everything is basically under a curse or you're at the very least in sin. And then there are those who believe that, the, the, that that was the Old Testament and that the New Testament is about generosity and it's about us and God and we pray and God speaks to us about what we should give and, uh, and that's what it is. And, and there's not a lot of gray area between those two camps. Um, now, if you know me, I'm kind of a both and person. I don't really reject a lot of things because I see truth in both. And, uh, and so if you were to ask me, what does that look like, pastor? Should I tithe? Do you believe that if you don't tithe, you're under a curse and you're in sin? Or what, what's your belief system? Um, I don't really know if that's the case. I don't know if tithing is really like 100% necessary in regards to how people would teach it in that way. However, if you ask me if I give 10%, I would say, yeah, I've lived by that my whole life. 
So I don't know that if I give 9% that my money's under a curse. I don't really read it that way. But you know what? I know that if I give 2%, I ain't feeling 2% really, y'all. And I actually believe that that's sort of the intent of Scripture here. Some of you might be like, I don't feel 2%. I, I know, but the majority of people wouldn't. And that's why they only give 2%. And I'm not even talking about the church yet. I'm, I, I should have prefaced that. I'm not talking about just to the church. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. I'm talking about just giving. Being a, setting aside an amount of what God has given you in order to be obedient to whatever it is that he calls you to give. But I do believe for sure in generosity. And I do believe that God still asks his people believers to give of their wealth and of their resources to in order for the kingdom of God to advance. And and can I just like just say this? Every business, every family, everything in society for all of eternity has always needed resources or money or anything to operate. And so <laughs> for us to like kind of think that the church is just going to magically continue to exist without the people of God uh, uh, giving of themselves, of, of their life, in order to, for the local churches to continue, um, is, I, I, it doesn't make sense. God, in, in the Old Testament, he, he, he commanded his people to give continuously, to give of their lives, of their, of their wealth, in order to support the priests and the tabernacle and to actually operate as a society. You should go read the Old Testament, the, the laws, the societal laws and the ceremonial laws, and get an idea of the heart of God behind those things. And it was good. And it was good. And, and I will say that as far as giving and generosity, that still exists today. This church would not be able to exist, would not be here the AC would not be on. The lights would not be on, right? Um, if, if it wasn't for the faithful support and giving of the people of God. And I know that might be an obvious statement in one sense, but I think that we need to hear that. The, the people who ask God, what should I do? What should I give? What should I be a part of? And then God speaks to them and then they say yes to that. That is one of the components of the kingdom of God continuing to move. And so we give sacrificially. Whether we're in a time of plenty or lack, we remain obedient. The next thing is this. We give, we give and this is principles, we give our best, not our leftovers. In, in the Bible, there was this concept of first fruits. And the people of God would give their best. This speaks to priorities. This is what happens a lot for people is they go through the whole month, they live life, they do all the things that they wanna do, and then whatever they kinda have left over at the end of the month or end of the year or whatever, they give it away. And, you know, if, if it's there. You know, the, the Starbucks is definitely gonna be there, all right? We're not gonna give up Starbucks. But we just kinda give what's left over. In, in the Bible, the Israelites, they gave their best, the people of God are commanded to, to give their best, meaning that we actually prioritize the things of God and the things that God's speaking to us to do or to give. We prioritize those things up here, and then we let everything else have the leftovers. 
if I have enough, I'll get Starbucks. But I'm not going to take from, Star, from God to give to Starbucks. You see the point there? It's a, it's a priority thing. And guess what? I'm going to be honest. Ain't nobody going to ever know whether you did that or not. Nobody will know. <laughs> that sounds like a TikTok. Nobody's going to know. They're not. They're not going to know. You'll know. And God knows. And that's the point. I don't go around looking at what everybody gives here at this church. I don't know. I don't want to know. It would taint a message like this. I don't know. I have no idea. But God knows. God knows what, 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 what's, where's the priority at. And in Scripture, we're, we're to prioritize what God is speaking to us to do before exactly what we want to do. And, and I live my life like that. It's never a question of what's being given. Never a question. My time, it's never a question. And, and as a pastor, it's always like, well, that's because you get paid to do that. No, there's a lot of things that I do that I don't get paid to do. But you, would, you wouldn't know, right? It's, but there's things going on in the heart in those moments. So we, we, all, have that, we all have that thing, right? The, the last thing is this, is that we give and I kind of alluded to this a second ago, we get to expand the kingdom of God. We give, we willingly give of our lives. Come on, believers. We willingly give of our lives to see the kingdom of God expand. Put money aside for a second. We willingly give of our time to see the kingdom of God expand. We willingly give of our, our resources to see the kingdom of God expand to see the gospel of Jesus continue to be preached, to, to see whenever someone comes to a local church that there are people who are positioned and postured in their heart to say, I'm looking for those in need, not, not financially right now, looking for those in need emotionally, I'm looking for those who are in pain, hurting, I'm looking for those, I'm looking for the person that God puts on my heart to give of my life, to see them become more spiritually healthy, physically healthy, emotionally healthy. I am going to get, they look like group leaders. They look like the prayer team, worship team. The people that are serving in our, in our kids' ministry right now, that's their heart. There's not a begrudging like, oh, Hey, little Tommy. No. It might be going on internally sometimes. I mean, hey, I ate a lot of turkey yesterday. But there is a heart to serve. That is a generous heart to give of that Sunday morning, to give of that Tuesday night. Right? That, that, that's the heart that God is seeking to pull out of us. And so we invest with our lives and we also invest financially. Matthew 6 says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. He's instructing us to give our lives to the kingdom of God, which is an eternal kingdom. It's an eternal kingdom. And so we give of ourselves in our time, in our resources, in our wealth, all that we are for whatever God asks of us. We invest in things that we believe in, right? 
If you are a, a stock market person, you put your money, you invest in stocks that you believe are gonna grow. If you, you get married, what do you do? You invest in a home in order for your, your family to grow and have a safe place to live. We, we invest in things that we believe in and in things that we care about. We invest. We spend on things for entertainment, but we invest in things that we believe in. And what does it look like to invest in the kingdom of God? Well, I believe, again, where do we give our money? Where do we give our time? I believe that the local church is the best investment of your life. I do believe that. I did not say it's the only, okay? But we can't talk about every single vehicle of investment. But I believe that the local church is the best investment in the kingdom of God. The local church evangelizes disciples, supports local ministries in the area. The local church expands. The local church preaches the gospel consistently. There are wonderful nonprofits and there's wonderful things that you can invest your, your time and your money into as well. Hey, look, I don't have a problem with that at all. But we know that consistently, to, to invest into a local church that's, that's in the community for 50 years, 100 years, man, what a wonderful investment. Thousands upon thousands of people who are taught the gospel and who are discipled and released to do the same. I believe it's a great investment. And if you believe in the local church, I believe one of the ways that we show that we believe in the local church is by investing our life generously, being willing to invest our lives into the local church. And um, if we just think about it financially, we talked about people, the average Christian giving 2.5% of their, their income to the local church. Imagine if everybody, the average was 5%. Let's not even try to get to the whole tithe conversation. Let's not try to get there. Let's just try to get to 5%. What would it look like if the local church, not, I'm not talking about just Northwood right now. I'm talking about the church, the church, if the income of the church was doubled. Do you know how much ministry does not take place because there's not enough, enough financial uh, fortitude? There's not a, a strong enough foundation. There's people who have incredible hearts. There's people who have incredible hearts. Now, we've talked to some of the, the, the organizations that we support locally. If you talk to them and you talk to them about what they do, their hearts are bleeding for it, bleeding. They cry over the homeless community or for people who don't have enough medical care. They cry, and we're like, what can we do? And they're like, we need money. <laughs> we need money. But nowadays, if you ask for money, like, you're just, you're greedy. Not everybody that asks for money is greedy. Not everybody that does. And, and so, so what happens is generosity is cut off in the kingdom of God because of the greed of the world. And are there greedy churches? Yes. Are there greedy pastors? Yes. Are there greedy nonprofit owners and people who run it and manage it? Yes. It's always gonna be like that too. And if you're waiting for it to be utopia where it's not, there's no corruption in any way, shape, or form, then you're never going to be generous. Years ago, there was a homeless guy that walked up to my car and I had 10 bucks sitting there in my wallet. And he walked up, and many of y'all have had the same experience. 
And it's like the first thought is, if I give him this 10 bucks, he's just going to get booze. That's all he's going to do. And there was a voice in my head that said, so? I, it's, it's like the Holy Spirit was like, I'm not asking you to, to de- decipher his heart and to decipher whether, what he's going to do with that money. You leave that up to me. I'm, I'm asking you to, to be generous right now. And so I drove away. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> Got to break the tension on that one. I gave him $10. And he probably went and got booze. I'm just saying, if we, if we judge everybody's heart who's going to receive the money that we give or the, or the time that we give, and we judge them according to where they're at, and, and we say, oh, it's not worth it, nothing, nobody and nothing is ever going to be worth it. It's, we're always going to be able to justify our way out of it. Do you know how many people that I have, I have sat with in small groups in my life? And I have prayed for, and I've gone to their house late at night and laid hands on them and, and prayed and wept with them about things in their life. And then a couple years later, you get stabbed in the back and they walk away and you're like, what was that about? And guess what it causes me to do with my time? Clench that fist around my time. Because you know who deserves my time? My girls. That's who deserves my time. My family. My blood. But this guy, I don't know if he's going to be around in a year. I'm not going to waste my time. I'm, I'm, being, I'm being extreme in this, but you guys know. This is, how it, this is how it sounds. This is what greed starts to sound like, and sometimes it feels justified. And the Holy Spirit, just like he does, he just presses up against it and says, nah, nope, you're getting greedy. You're getting greedy. We get to expand the kingdom of God. If this is your church family, and again, if this is not your church family, if this isn't your church, uh, you don't really have to listen to what I'm about, about to say. But if this is your church family, and this is where you're, you're raising your family, this is where you receive ministry, and this is what you would say, this is my church family, I want to encourage you to invest in this local church. And I'm not just talking about financially. I'm talking about of your life. I can't tell you how much. I can't tell you how often. I can give some principles, okay? But you have genuinely, you've genuinely got to pray and seek God and you've got to begin to discern where is the threshold of generosity and greed in my own heart? Where, is my, where are those fingers beginning to close? And, and where, does it, where does it need to open, right? Currently at Northwood Church, we are uh, in the process of expanding, we're expanding in regards to all of our locations, just as far as the, the churches are concerned, but also building-wise, we're expanding in Ocean Springs right now, and we're super excited about that. And uh, actually, we've been giving you guys a lot of updates, and I wanted to give you all another update from Ocean Springs, show you all some pictures. Y'all can go ahead and put those up. So our Ocean Springs location, I don't know if you know or not, but that's some electrical pipe up in the wall right now. That's some framing that's up. That's exciting. That's the outside. We're building up the outside. That's gutters and a lot of mud. And uh, the inside is actually all framed out now. And so we're about to start seeing some, some, uh, some, some walls going up. And that's exciting. But do you know what's ex- how that's happening? It's because of faithful, generous people, not just in the last two years, 
There were people who were digging the footers of building number two here in Gulfport whenever there was nothing but wood surrounding this property. They were giving of their life. Some of them have, have passed away and were still standing in the buildings that they built, right? Come on, Wiggins started a lumber yard and now we've got this beautiful building up on Highway 49 where, the, the church, where we're meeting there right now and there's people that come in whose marriages and lives are changed and God's able to do a great work in people's lives. People find community and healing. Started Ocean, uh, Long Beach in 2014. Guess what? Because of faithful people who were giving, continuing to give of their money, of their time, of their resources to see buildings built, to see people's lives built. And, and now that's what we're doing in Ocean Springs, doing the same thing. It's the same, it's the same heart. It's the same thing. God says, I've, I've given you all of this, all of these resources, steward them for the growth of my kingdom. And what are we doing? We're saying, yes, sir. How can we do that to the best of our ability? We haven't had one financial scam here in this church, right? We have, we don't, none of that type of stuff. We're faithful. My dad was pastor here from 1989 to 2018, faithfully handling the money well in this church, faithfully handling people well in this church, and now still handling the money of the church. Still the, still the money guy here. Yeah, can we give it up for Pastor Van? Come on. What's, what's funny is that if, if you've come here in the last five years or so, six years, a lot of people don't even know who, who he is. And uh, like last week, he taught, and they're just like, who's, who's this older guy on the stage? He's not an older guy on the stage. You know, I kind of like him. Um, he's a loose cannon, but I like him. And uh, <laughs> that's my dad, faithfully serves, faithfully serving. And, you know, our generation, our millennials, Gen X, Gen Z, did you know that it's, it's time for us to begin to, to, to stand up? Like when there's a work day, we show up. Come on, whenever the call to give is there, guess what we do? We show up. It's a serve day. We show up. About three amens on that one. I find, I find those, those Gen X and those millennials, they like, they, they live life like this a lot of times. We got to like a, like a baby with rice, you know, who grabs like a handful of rice. You got to pry those fingers open, you know, strongest grip in the world. But these are opportunities of what it looks like to, to give to the expansion of the kingdom of God. And I want to ask you if this is your, if this is your church and, and you know today that you're not maybe giving what you should or what God's really convicting you to give, then, uh, then I want you to begin to Open up your heart again. Just say, God, what does it look like? And this would be the question that wraps up the message today. Am I sacrificially giving God the best that I have with a willing heart to see his kingdom expand? I the thing I love about this question and the thing I love about this sermon is that it's not one size fits all. For some of you at the current spot that you're in in your finances and in your, in your life, to give 5% is a massive, massive sacrifice, legitimately. For, for others, 5% is not. 10% really isn't. I have no idea what it is for you. That's why it's principle-led. It's, it's a principle-based conversation. It's not how much. If anybody ever says, if, if you give 500 right now and you sow into your healing, you'll have it. Turn off the TV, delete the app, like whatever it is, because that's a lie. That's greed. 
That's not the way that God, that's not how Jesus taught it. It's not, that is not it, right? Just so, so you hear that. It's a, it starts with a heart. And this is one of those messages, it is kind of, it's, it's for believers mostly because, you know, we, under, we understand heart change. And, and if you're not in Christ, if you're not a believer, some of these, some of these things, some of these metrics might feel, uh, feel a little bit strange. But again, God is after our hearts, y'all. It's how he expands his kingdom. It's how he always has. It's how he always will. Is he gives the option to his people to obey him or not. <laughs> you know? I hope, I hope you feel that. I hope that you feel that. And if you don't feel that, when you read the word, if you don't feel God basically giving you the, the option and the freedom to choose and you feel like a hammer falling down on you, uh, you, you might not be reading it right. God has proved his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's already proved it. He's already done it. He's already given us every option, all the mercy, all the grace that we need. And it's, it's our responsibility to respond. And today we're talking about generosity. And so we respond with a generous heart because Jesus was generous in the way that he lived his life. And as Christ's followers, we live the way that he lived. And so it's because we believe that a generous life is, is a Christ-like life. I believe that. So I believe that God is calling us to a generous life, but not a forced generous life, a life where we are willing to give. And that's my encouragement to you today, is to be willing to give. Whenever God calls you to give, when, and again, we talked a lot about money, but I hope that you also understand that it, it's your life. When God calls you to give of your life to others for his kingdom, just remember this, am I willing? 